Hey, Cammy. Hey, Bryant. What do Robin Hood, Vlad the Impaler, and Mothman have in common? IDK, what? Well, they're all topics on our podcast, Mystery, where each week we discuss a new myth and the history behind it. That's Myth Story with an I-E. See you then. Everybody and welcome to Will This Be on the Test? I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we are here today to talk to you about things you should have learned in school but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes we just can't help but talk about the fact that our house is haunted. Yeah, so last week, Austin was inviting the ghost of Alexander Hamilton to take over our printer. And the next day... After we recorded, our printer went off on its own. It started printing off some weird, like, log into this printer stuff, which we didn't tell it to. Yeah, so, I mean, the logical conclusion is that one of our neighbors picked up on our, you know, Wi-Fi for our printer and tried to print from a printer that wasn't theirs. But the timing? Super weird. And then we got a mysterious letter from beyond. Oh my god, yeah. A few minutes later, uh, it prints off again, and I'm like, ugh, I'll go check it this time. And there was a letter in there, Dear Maddie and Austin. I can't remember all of what it said, but it did say that Benjamin Franklin was very interested in these MILFs he's heard so much about. If I remember correctly, it was the ghost of Alexander Hamilton, who was totally in our printer, telling us that he was too busy to be in our printer. But Benjamin Franklin was in our kitchen, <laughs> and he wants us to, he wants to see more MILFs. Yeah, so the initial thing was weird. The second one was Austin. What? No. I got it off the printer. I looked at it. I yelled down and called him an asshole. Uh, But he did not do the first one. We were both just chilling on the couch and it started printing. And the thing is, Austin, if you had just spelled A.ham correctly, maybe I would have been fooled. I think maybe. I, I typed it up super fast on my phone and just hit print. I think I didn't notice the double tap on the M. There's probably a couple other typos in there too. And then the other day, Austin and I are sitting on the couch and he asks, has that light always been on? And he's pointing in the kitchen. And we have this TARDIS that's sitting on this really high shelf about two inches from the ceiling. And uh, uh, For those of you that don't know, the TARDIS is the blue police box from the TV show Doctor Who. Yes. The light on top of it was on, and we haven't touched this thing in two years, probably. Yeah, it just sits up there on a shelf. Like, we move it when we do, like, Halloween and Christmas decorations, but that's it. Yeah, that's it. And so that's obviously been months, and we really didn't even do a whole lot this year for that. No, we we really didn't. But I think this year, we're gonna have to go nuts, because we've done nothing all year. (laughs) So the light's on and we take it down and we have to like press the button to turn the light back off, which is not take an unsubstantial amount of pressure. And then I sat there and I'm shaking the whole thing because if it's a faulty battery or spring, it should come back on and it didn't. And then Austin thought it might be a temperature change thing. So we turned it off, put it in front of the vent. Air conditioning pops on. It doesn't turn back on. It turns on and off by itself a few more times. We actually sat there like crazy people talking to it. Yeah. Trying to see if it would be like those flashlights from BuzzFeed Unsolved and whatnot that would actually answer our questions. <laughs> it did not. <laughs> nope. None of our questions were answered by our our TARDIS. And I understand how that sounds. <laughs> so it's been, that was kind of like the excitement for this week. Either we got ghosts or we finally snapped. Both are equally likely. I'm going with ghosts. I'm going with snapped. You don't want to go with Snapped. That TV show is about the women who killed their husbands. I've never seen this TV show. 
You've never seen Snap? Never seen Snap. Oh, I think you'd like it, actually. I know. You talk a lot about ways to get away with murder. <laughs> yes, but the thing is, these women all clearly didn't get away with murder because that's why they're on the show. So, because you've never been on this show, you've just gotten away with murder? Yeah, you're actually my seventh husband, not my second. Dang it. Wait, I've known you since high school. Damn. I'm, I'm prolific. Damn. <laughs> we are very cool people. We are the coolest. But that's kind of been the week this week. Like, oh, and oh my goodness, there was a church not, there's a church in, uh, nearby-ish that apparently is a hot spot for COVID now. And it sounds like one of their staff members secretly called the district attorney's office about it because they had an NDA on their staff. Now, this is the rumor, and this actually hasn't even made the news, even though everybody knows it's a hot spot now. If your church makes you sign an NDA, that sounds more like a cult. It's like, what could your church have you signing NDAs about? It's like, okay, we found the real secret to salvation, but you can't tell other churches. I mean, I guess churches that have a history of doing things to children probably have NDAs of some kind. Yeah, well, so all churches? (laughs) Not all churches. Hashtag not all churches. I mean, I haven't heard anything bad about like Unitarian Universalists. Yeah, I'm sure there's something. Fine. There's always something. There's always something. Well, that's kind of this week. Uh, Who goes first? You get to go first. Okay. So, my sources. Actually, a lot of sources this time. National Constitution Center, Encyclopedia Britannica, Wikipedia, ushistory.org, National Archives, Cornell Law School, National Geographic, World Population Review, U.S. News and World Report, Los Angeles Times, The Hill, and The Atlantic. That's more sources than usual. Yes, because, you know, in school, we learned about some of the amendments, I mean, I know other people, like, had to memorize all of them and explain what they were. I never had to do that. And we mostly did the Bill of Rights and then a few of the ones that came after that could eventually become contested again, like allowing women the right to vote and, you know, allowing black people the right to vote and basically anything that involves not being a dick we learned about because those could eventually someday be contested again. Yeah, and we also learned about prohibition just because, I mean, I don't know, we had an hour to fill in history class. <laughs> I don't know that I ever learned too much about prohibition in school. I think we just mostly learned about it because because we like to see pictures of, uh, of old-timey cops in trench coats taking hammers to barrels of beer. I mean, that is fun. Yeah, that's pretty fun. So one that was definitely glossed over at best was the 20th Amendment, because who could ever want to contest the 20th Amendment? (laughs) Before I started my research, I assumed that this amendment was more of a formality than anything else. It's the amendment that says when a presidential term ends and begins. It seems like something that was probably always just done, and they were like, we need to formalize when this happens. It's a lot more than that. It actually changed the date that the presidency begins and ends, and it's been challenged recently for only the actual, I think, second time in history it's been challenged. And it's been challenged not directly, but indirectly by saying we should change the election day, which is not an amendment. I will say, one of my favorite things about news reporting on this is hearing it being led completely flatly, then we should change the election day, question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah, Trumpy boy, he didn't actually say my term shouldn't end on that day, but he said that he wanted the election day itself to be postponed until it was safe to go out and vote. His actual tweet was, with universal mail-in voting, not absentee voting, which is good, 
2020 will be the most inaccurate and fraudulent election in history. It will be a great embarrassment to the USA. Delay the election until people can properly, securely, and safely vote. Safely vote. Ex uh, question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Lots I'm, of like weird capitalization and stuff. In I'm there. so glad that we added those extra characters to Twitter. They are being used so fucking well. I don't think he realizes that absentee voting is done by mail. I how mean, does he think it's done? I don't know. I'm it's like he absentee votes. That's how he's voted, and he might have actually done it unlawfully. Mm -hmm. And I also kind of wonder if he realizes that computer hacking exists because, like, when you mail in your ballot. I mean, I'm sure there is some kind of like Scantron sheet system going on, but there's also human beings in there. It's going, something is weird with this. And they can actually go through and check the paper ballots. Well, when you're going in and just pressing a button on a screen, there's no real way to verify which button was actually hit once it gets entered. And I feel like voter fraud is a lot more likely from somebody hacking into a computer system than by somebody manually checking ballots. Well, I mean, we, we, we have confirmed that Russia has attempted to alter... Has access our voter information mm -hmm. that way so but he's a you know he doesn't like to listen to any intelligence about russia um and then he also is like properly securely and safely vote but he's also open the schools yeah because that's going to be properly proper secure and safe yeah, it's like, and we know for a fact that kids are carrying and transmitting thought that they weren't because we closed schools but now we're seeing these day camps come back and these summer camps come back with these ridiculously high rates. And at one camp recently, the rate was higher between ages of six and 10 than they were for teenagers. I never went to a co-ed summer camp, but from what I've learned from movies, co-ed summer camps aren't exactly chaste. So, you know, these teenagers were going wild. It's like you have time to go wild when you're too busy with your prank war with the rival camp across the lake. <laughs> That's also, I learned this all from camp movies. Delaying the election to when it's safe, and we have no idea when it will actually be safe or who defines when it's safe, and actually almost unquestionably wouldn't be for a couple of months after election day, so, you know, around the time the new president would be taking office. The implication of this would be that there would be no election and therefore he thinks he would get to stay in office. Luckily, people from both sides of the aisle, including some of his BFFs, were like, fuck this, we're not doing that, and shut him down pretty quickly. But the panic I saw all over the internet made me realize that most people don't know about the 20th Amendment, which accounts for the possibility of there not being a president-elect on January 20th. I mean, I didn't know this existed. I knew there had to be some kind of law, but I didn't realize there was an amendment until a teacher friend of mine posted on somebody's panic post about the 20th Amendment. So I thought I should share this information further. The 20th Amendment was proposed by Senator George W. Norris from Nebraska on March 2nd, 1932. It is called the Lame Duck Amendment. That's a pretty fucking lame duck. <laughs> I I lame duck is one of the weirdest political terms. Oh, I'm going to get into what it means, but I will say one time I went to this petting zoo and they had a one-legged duck. Did it just swim in circles? It did. <laughs> But he was a happy little duck and he could like hop around outside. So he was fine. Just um, a lame duck is a politician who is leaving office and either has an identified successor or there's an election coming up who will decide who their successor is. And it's an interesting term because that term means that this person will have less power in the interim because they are technically no longer representing the current constituency. They are legally still representing them, but these are not the people who voted for them. At the same time, at the presidential level, 
it actually in a way gives them more power because what are they going to do? Fire me? <laughs> so that's when, that's why in the last month or so of a presidency, you see a lot of executive orders and a lot of pardons going through because there is literally nothing that can be done to stop them in most cases. And this happens a lot in like regular jobs too. Once you put in your notice, you either completely stop working or you become a better employee. Or even like when I decided I was leaving teaching, I think I became a better teacher because I was like, what are they going to do? Fire me? I'm already planning on leaving. They didn't know I was planning on leaving. But I was like, I feel like I can actually talk to my students about the things they're concerned about, like bullying, as opposed to, no, I have this very strict curriculum that I have to follow all the time. I still got to literally everything in my curriculum. I was also more able to kind of nuance things and talk to the kids about their worries, which I think was really important. And that is one of the things I miss about teaching, is helping the kids process the world. The one of the things I miss about you teaching is me getting to deliver pizzas to a bunch <laughs> of students and having them... You, you, have not, you do not know happiness until you bring, like... 30 pizzas into an auditorium full of students. Yeah, they would run out to his truck and help him carry them in. And oh man, they loved him. They loved him. Best part. Mm -hmm. So what we have then is called the lame duck period. It is between the election and the day that the people start their, the new people start, which is January 20th for the president and vice president, January 3rd for Congress people. So from November 20th or November, these not, it's not a set date. It's the, uh, I didn't, I didn't write it down. It's the, the first, first Tuesday, Tuesday after, after the first Monday. Yeah. The first Tuesday after the first Monday, November. Between that period, that day, and the day that people come in is called the lame duck period. It's so much less interesting than Picasso's blue period. It actually kind of is. No major decisions are supposed to be made during that time, which actually becomes a problem if there is no president-elect. They can make minor decisions, but anything that has sweeping economic or policy implications cannot happen during that two-month-ish period at most. Usually it's less than two months. Uh, before, before the 20th Amendment, the lame duck period lasted from December 1st until March 4th, which was when new people took office. So you had, what was it, four months? March 4th? Yep, March 4th. Good God, why? Historically, that's when um, Washington was inaugurated. It was on March 4th. So it just became the tradition that they would be inaugurated on March 4th. That was never actually formal. So this, uh, this amendment made that time significantly shorter, which is good because think about how many important things Congress is supposed to be doing and then make it so that they've got like four months where they're not allowed to do anything. And that's actually a big problem because the lame duck period is what allowed the South to secede. What? Yeah, they made it seem in school like this all happened under Lincoln, didn't they? Yeah. Like, I always was like, okay, Lincoln was president and the South seceded. Absolutely not true. Pretty much like the minute Lincoln was, uh, was elected, the South started seceding because they knew that Lincoln would not allow this to happen. The secession happened entirely under Buchanan. God damn it, Buchanan. Or entirely or almost entirely. And no, Bu no, we're going to blame Buchanan for this. He fucked up. So Buchanan's in there and he's like, okay, um, I don't like that they're doing this, but I don't feel like I can legally use military force to stop them. So it just happened. And Lincoln's sitting there going, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, I'm walking into this. Even though Lincoln probably had ideas about what to do, he couldn't do anything because he wasn't president. And Buchanan's not doing anything, in part because he doesn't want us in the army, and in part because it's the lame duck period. God. And then. Then 
this happened again. We think of the Great Depression happening entirely under FDR for the most part. It started under Hoover. It started under Hoover. So that's why there were Hoovervilles. And this was Herbert Hoover. Not J. Edgar Hoover. Not J. Edgar which Hoover. Which we're going to get into in my part. <laughs> so FDR gets elected. Herbert Hoover is still in office. And there's about a four-month period in the middle there with, in which nothing can get done. Which means FDR can't implement the New Deal until after he's elected. So we had to wait. He already like had this idea. He had like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help fix things this way. Four months where people were starving to death. And Congress and the president can't do anything because of the lame duck period. That is stupid. Yeah. Which is why they, this is why they put together the 20th Amendment to shorten this and stop this from ever happening again. Now, there is still a period of time from these first Tuesday after the first Monday to about when Congress recesses for the uh, Christmas holiday, because that is still when they do it. And then the new Congress starts on January 3rd. So it's maybe, maybe six weeks, which is a big difference from four months. The 20th Amendment was created before FDR took office, but was not ratified until after he took office. So it was created on March 2nd, 1932, ratified on January 3rd, 1933. This shorter period means did mean that um, less work was still getting done during the lame duck period, but it also allowed the people to start getting support and laying the groundwork for the plans that they had. Because four months is a, is a weird, not a lot of time and a lot of time at the same time. It's like, it's not a lot of time if you're like doing normal governance i guess or if you're just like keeping the lights on but if like you know a volcano a volcano explodes in the middle of los angeles like that's that's a lot of time yeah so there's a big difference between gaining support or getting people to get on board over a period of six weeks then over four months of like oh i'll think about it later i'll think about it later and then suddenly it's now can you imagine if aliens had invaded during this time we'd have been powerless to stop them no i'm actually very concerned if trump doesn't win not because i don't want him to lose but for this lame duck period, when he has the freedom to do basically whatever he wants, that's going to be a shit show. Uh, start buying wine now, folks. I just got five bottles of wine through a certain wine club you frequently hear advertised on podcasts. Five bottles for $39. And if they agree to sponsor us, we'll tell you what it is. Yes. So the 20th Amendment is divided into six sections, which I won't read, but I will summarize. And a cool thing about this is even though it was written in the 1930s, they don't identify a gender. Ooh. Instead of saying he will, it's just the president, the vice president, the congressperson. So one, the sitting president and vice president's terms end at noon on January 20th of the year that their term ends. Sitting senators and representatives' terms officially end on January 3rd at noon. At that time, whoever was elected to their seats takes over. So noon, you've got one president leaving, one president coming back in. Same with Congress people. Two, Congress assembles at least once a year at noon on January 3rd, unless they make a law for it to be a different day. Now, does this mean that technically Congress only has to convene once a year? I don't think so. There's lots of laws about Congress having to convene more often. I'm There probably are. I didn't get into that. This, this, oh my God, guys, this research went in so many different directions because this is, if there was ever a time to use the word clusterfuck, this is it. Three, if on January 20th, the president-elect has died, but the vice president-elect has not died, the vice president-elect is president. If there is no president chosen at that time or the chosen person has been deemed unfit, the vice president will take office. 
if no vice president is available, which is interesting because you can no longer vote for them separately. You used to be able to. Now it's they are running on a ticket together. So like I couldn't vote for just, I mean, let's do pretend there was a Warren Biden ticket. Let's just, we can just go with the past. It's like you couldn't vote for Obama Palin. Yeah, I couldn't do that. I, I can't cross off the vice president's name and then choose a different one, which is kind of dumb. Yeah. Like, I sh- you should be able to vote for them separately, even though this one could be like, I prefer this vice president. You should be able to vote for them separately. I feel like this is just leading to a weird sitcom situation where two people who don't like each other are forced to work together. Well, I mean, it used to be that the president was the winner of the election. The vice president was the second place person in the election. Yeah. And then they made a joke about it in Hamilton. They did. And I mean, there are pros and cons to that idea. Can you imagine right now we could have a Trump-Clinton pairing happening if that was still going on? Oh my God. That would have... Someone would be dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not sure who, but someone. Um, okay. If no vice president is available, then Congress declares who is president or vice president, and that person is in office until the actual president or vice president is chosen. They are acting as president or as vice president, because they still need the actual election to occur. So when they say available, like, if the vice president is, like, pooping, and it's like, sorry, we can't get to the vice president right now. It's like, well, I guess he's not available, well, and they it, skip over him. it means that either there wasn't one elected, or the one elected was deemed unfit or died. Okay. Uh... Four, basically, if everything gets super fucked up, the House chooses the president and the Senate chooses the vice president. Now, this seems to be if someone dies or the Electoral College doesn't have a clear winner. I will not get started on the Electoral College. They do come up again in this, but I promise I don't get into them too much, more than I have to. Uh, five gives the dates when it starts. Six says it needs to be ratified with by three-fourths of the states within seven years for it to actually be a, an amendment. So thanks to this, FDR was sworn in on March 4th for his first term and on January 20th for the subsequent three. The 22nd Amendment, which was ratified in 1951, is what established the two-term limit. And they can be consecutive or non-consecutive. And that's why Obama can't run again. I mean, I'm not against it because we don't want a king. I mean... Or a dictator. Yeah, we do not want either of those things. Although, like, I mean, who doesn't like wearing a crown? Um, I look so great with a tiara. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So election day itself is not set by an amendment, so Trump could feasibly try to put forth an order to change the date. However, that power does not sit with the executive branch. That power is with the legislative branch, i.e. Congress. And both the House and Senate would have to agree to it. But, I mean, with Trump throwing around executive orders like they're balls of paper in an unruly TV classroom, who the fuck knows? Like, he could try. Yes, he could try. I don't think it would work. No, I don't think it would. Because this is not an executive decision, but... Who the fuck knows? But if the election date affected the start date of the next president, he would be out. So let's say that they actually did move it and it made it so that there was no president elected by January 20th. He would still be out of office. (laughs) Even if later on it turns out that he won the election for the period of time. There would be no president. And the fact that it's not an amendment is actually kind of important in the grand scheme because it does mean that election day can be changed. And that's something people are fighting for, not because they want to, to delay the election, but because they want to make election day either a federal holiday or on a weekend so that more people can actually get out to vote. In some states, there is still one voting day. In Kansas, we have early voting. You can go in like 
any well, number in, of days. In our county, we have in our In our county. You can go in on certain days, depending on the voting location, or you can go in any time over a certain period and go vote. But some states, some locations still have one voting day, and they don't have mail-in voting, so you have to go in and wait in line. And they're having it during the work week, which means a lot of people can't go. Now, yes, your job is supposed to give you time off to go vote. However, some people with two jobs work from five in the morning till one in the afternoon. So that job says, you've got any time after one. Well, you go to your next job at 1.30, you work till 9.30. That job says, you have all mo- you had all morning. Neither one of them has to give you time off. If you are a teacher and you work from seven in the morning, and then you've got an after-school activity until 7, 8, 9 at night, you don't have a chance to go vote. You can either cancel your after-school activity, which isn't possible if it's after-school care, or you can get a sub for half the day and hope you get through the line in time. The average job, 40-hour-a-week standard job, gives you a max of two hours off. So if you get there, the line is eight hours long, which happens a lot in places that do this. You don't get to vote either. You have to go back to work. And if you're in a place that has some early voting options, they might not have to give you time off at all because you could have gone any time. Yeah. Just like, come on, let's make election day a federal holiday. Let's get rid of Columbus Day. Nobody likes you, Columbus. You're the worst. We should just have election day. It's like a month later. You'll be fine. Isn't there something about changing Columbus, Ohio's name to like Guy Fieri, Ohio or something? I would absolutely do that. Just like change Columbus to Flavortown? Yes, that's what it is. Flavortown. Yeah. Welcome to Flavortown. So the fact that it's not an amendment is important because it takes way less work for election day to get changed. And I am very for it getting changed to a day when more people can go vote because our voter turnouts are embarrassing. The election date, however, has literally never been changed. The only time that it was ever considered was during the Civil War because Republicans, who at the time were the party of Lincoln and now are the party of Trump, just kind of like Democrats were more of the segregationists at the time and have flipped around. You are not in the same party as the 1800s. They were afraid that Lincoln wouldn't get reelected, but Lincoln was like, that would undermine our democracy to change the election just because you're afraid that I'm not going to get reelected. I refuse to do that. So they went ahead and he won in a landslide. So it was all good. They also um, thought they, meaning Democrats, that George W. Bush would say, well, because of 9-11, I can't be voted out of office in 2004. We can't have somebody leaving office in the middle of a war. Bush himself never said that. I don't think the dude ever wanted to be president to begin with. And I think he definitely didn't after 9-11. Like that guy, that poor guy, his brain broke. And so he never said that. And Condoleezza Rice actually came out as his spokesperson saying, no, we're holding the election. He'll be leaving office as planned. This is, this is how democracy works. So guys, don't start rumors. Like it just freaks people out. So let's say there isn't a president chosen by January 20th. Who becomes president? Well, most people are assuming that the line of succession would happen. And it's important to note that in this case, in the line of succession, no matter why it happens, that person is still only acting president, including the vice president in the case that the president dies, until an actual election is held. So if the vice president becomes president in the first two years of the term, that counts as one of their presidential terms. They can only be reelected once. If it happens in the last two years of the term, they can be reelected two more times. 
I actually looked it up because I was curious. Like, it has no bearing on the rest of this. I was just curious in how long it could last. So they are still only technically acting president or acting congressperson or whatever the case may be. Since the president and vice president run together, this would automatically rule out us having a vice president in the line of succession. So it would skip directly to the next person. I'm only going to list the next three because if I counted right, there are 17 in, in addition to the president and vice president in the line of succession. So the next three, uh, Speaker of the House of Representatives, which is currently Nancy Pelosi, President Pro Tempore, Tempore of the Senate, which is Chuck Grassley, a Republican out of uh, Massachusetts, I think, and then Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Except, given the, I, I heard I'm just thinking, imagine the horror of this eventually goes down this line of succession until we get to Betsy fucking DeVos. That she... is around slot 12 to 13. Yeah. So be afraid of that, people, because I know I am. Oh, my God. Also, um, he's, I would love it if this, if the Senate had the uh, president pro tempura who really, really enjoys lightly fried food. <laughs> and I'm done. So that is the line of succession. Except this isn't what it goes into effect if a president flat out isn't elected. That is only in the case of death or incapacitation, which was actually a question during, um, oh, which president am I thinking of, Austin? Uh, president Bartlett in the West Wing, when he didn't have a vice president, but he stepped down from president after his daughter, Zoe, was kidnapped by terrorists. No, it was oh. a, it's the president who was in a wheelchair. FDR. Thank you. You were um, just talking about him. I know, him. I know, I... I get excited. And the, so the question of like what means somebody is incapacitated actually came into question at that point. But they basically ended up defining it to mean mentally incapacitated. So like if Trump got COVID but was still able to function as much as he can, he would not be replaced. If he was put into a coma, then Pence would become acting president. If he died, Pence would become acting president. Um and then if the same thing happened to Pence, Pelosi would be in charge and so forth and so forth. But this is not the same thing as no president being elected, because if in the case that the election full on doesn't happen, which is what Trump was wanting to say, it was like delay it to the point where it really can't happen. There would be no speaker of the House because there would be no House to speak for on January 20th. If or January 3rd, if that election flat out didn't occur, there would be so many open seats because nobody was there to replace them that there would not be any clear way of choosing the Speaker of the House. I mean, there'd be no open seats because the House is elected every two years. So every seat would be filled or open and like a third of third of the Senate gone. Poof. And the same thing would happen in the Senate, possibly, but the Senate is actually still going to mostly be there this time, where this time yeah. the Senate would probably still have the ability to have a pro tempore, but it might not be Chuck Grassley. And that's a challenge, too, because basically if Democrats take the Senate in this election, even with the empty seats, historically it has been the person who's been there the longest of that party, which in this case would be Patrick Leahy. But that's tradition. They could literally choose anybody they wanted to be the tempore, which could mean they could put Sanders or Warren in there instead, which means then if we were using the line of succession, that person is automatically acting president. 
Now, this gets even weirder because does this person actually have to be a member of the Senate? Because I know, tech theoretically, the Speaker of the House could be someone who is not in the House of Representatives. I didn't look that up. Oh, I remember hearing that a while ago. It's stupid, and I don't know if it's actually real or not, but it would be hilarious. So knowing this is the case, knowing that there would be no Speaker of the House and it would go to the Senate, who will quite possibly be majority Democrat, that's probably a big part of why the Republicans were like, oh, no, we're not delaying the election. Um, because they might just go to line of succession in this case. But line of succession is technically not part of the 20th Amendment to begin with. When a president isn't flat out chosen, like I mentioned, the choice goes to Congress. Congress decides who this person is going to be. And they don't just pick someone at random. It's like not, here's a hat, pull a name out of it. For a president to be elected, it doesn't matter how many votes they get from the people. Remember, Clinton got more than 3 million more votes than Trump. It is decided by the Electoral College, and that needs an absolute majority of 270. And this is the one time I will really go into the Electoral College just because it pisses me off. The argument I've seen for keeping that things that way is I don't want those liberals in California and New York to make the decision. California does have the highest number of registered voters, but they are followed by Texas and Florida, two solidly red states. Then New York is fourth. Interestingly, these states all have registration rates of 56% or lower. Anybody who could vote, only about half of them have chosen to even register, let alone show up. And of these states, these top four states, none of them had were in the top 10 for voter turnout in the last election. Those were, uh, I, I don't remember the whole list, but I know Alaska was on there. Well, it's like all three of them showed up, so yeah. So you're worried about the Electoral College taking away your vote. It's not about them. It's about you not showing up in the first place. If everybody who needed to vote showed up to vote, that's how things should get decided. If you want your candidate to have a snowball's chance in hell, you show up to vote. It is free to register to vote. It's free. Go do it. It's not hard. I'll Tweet us. We'll help. Yeah. We're not even joking. Tweet us. We'll help you. Yeah. We already posted a couple of things about Kansas. If you're in Michigan, tweet us if you don't know where to go and we'll figure it out for you. Literally, both of us research professionally. We'll find this information for you. Yeah, that's true. We are professional. Like, both of us are professional researchers. So anything you need to learn how to register to vote, if you need to learn if your ballot got counted, whatever, we will help you. Just tweet at us. Yeah. uh, On the test pod. So here's where things get tricky, though. Because they're not tricky so far, obviously. Yes, this has been very straightforward and smooth. This is a quote from the second report on the Continuity of Government Commission. Section 4 allows Congress to provide for the special case where where Congress must select the president because no one has received a majority of the Electoral College. Even though authorized to do so by the amendment, Congress has never passed legislation to deal with such a scenario. Now, Austin, remember when I was researching, researching and I walked out of the room and I just said, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck? I was assuming yet another celebrity had died other than the other ones that also died today. And, and then I said, Congress. And he said, what happened? And I said, nothing. And that's the problem. Nothing has been done. They have never figured out or made a plan for how they will choose the president if this happens. There is no plan. They thought that this would never come up, that no one would ever not have majority in the Electoral College, or that more importantly, because there are some ideas for how to handle it that in that sense, but especially if there was just no one. There's no plan. Clearly, they don't believe in Murphy's Law, which is not actually whatever can go wrong will go wrong. It's whatever can happen will happen. And since it 
could happen that a president isn't chosen, they should have assumed it will happen and put a fucking plan in place. It's not even that hard. It's like, hey, this is probably never going to happen. So I don't know. We'll just say the Speaker of the House gets to fight the Majority Leader of the Senate and the winner is declared King of Michigan and they get to decide the president. Yeah. Like, they could put anything in place. Sorry, King or Queen of Michigan. Or whatever the non-binary term would end up being. Monarch? Monarch, yeah. Monarch of Michigan. Monarch of Michigan. It's nice and alliterative. I mean, to me, I think the most logical thing to do would be to say, okay, if there is no president-elect, the line of succession based on the current people would be put into effect. So, because it does happen, like, they only stay in there until a, a an election decides the next person. They would be able to, and then say, we'll call for an emergency election. Easy. So, like, right now it would be, okay, we don't have a president-elect. That means Nancy Pelosi is going to be acting president, and she'll stay there until we have somebody duly elected. Easy. Done. No worries. That's what I think. But the likely scenario for this would be a contingency election, which is what happens if the Electoral College doesn't have an absolute majority, which at this point is 270. Contingency elections were actually, in theory, eliminated by the 20th Amendment, ironically. In this case, the president is selected by a vote in the House and the vice president is selected by a vote from the Senate. This would have to happen during the lame duck period, though, when, in which case, nothing important is supposed to be decided. So they would have to make this decision technically between January 3rd and January 20th when the newer people are up. But at the same time, they're supposed to make this decision immediately because they would have to go uh, with the rules set forth in 1825 and 1837, which basically means they take the top three candidates as per the Electoral College. Um, This has happened before, by the way. We've had contingency elections before. It's actually how we ended up with Jefferson. And there was another time where there were four candidates and it split the Electoral College too far. Then there was an issue with faithless electors, a whole, it was just too much and it was going to take too much time. So these require that they take these three candidates and they cast their vote immediately. Like the moment they realize that there is no president-elect, they cast their vote by ballot, which means that basically it's not a series of hand raises or eyes. They actually have to turn in a ballot. But it's also during the lame duck period when they're not supposed to be making these major decisions because they technically don't represent the people in in a real way. So we have a problem. So, like, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? And don't forget, this could happen even if the election, when the election, happens. We could still not have an electoral college majority and there's no plan for it. (sighs) So this is... A problem that needs to be solved, like, yesterday. And so I hope that whoever goes into office next, and this actually doesn't get to be a presidential decision at all. This is 100% Congress, but the president should go on and be like, okay, guys, so we figured out last time that this question hasn't been answered. Go answer it. Mm-hmm. Now, let's get into the other thing people are worried about. Trump just refusing to leave. <sighs> oh. On January 20th, either because there was no election or because he got voted out. Too bad. You're not president anymore. That's all there is to it. That is what the amendment says. If you completely canceled the election on January 20th, you're out. If you lose, you're out. If Biden were to win, the transfer of power would happen no matter how big his tantrum was. It would just happen in a different location until the Secret Service was able to drag his lady on the Costco floor throwing a fit about a mask ass out of the White House. (laughs) Because that is what would happen. He would be trespassing. 
and the Secret Service would be forced to remove him by force if necessary. Oh my god. It's like, that was, that is the last thing I want to happen, but I would also like to visit the parallel universe where that did happen and watch the tape of it. So do you want to know something scary though? Because of his behavior around whether or not he's actually going to leave on January 20th, a group called the Transition Integrity Party has been created and it has over 60 members, including former governors and cabinet members who are meeting via Zoom and doing basically practice runs for what will happen in each possible event. If Trump contests the results, if Trump loses, if Trump wins, what will happen? How will we as a country, as people high in legislation, what is our plan? They had to create this because of this president. Yeah, like a lot of the problems with the Constitution is us assuming that people are going to do the right thing. Yeah. And not just seek power for their own benefit. Yeah, there was so much. And it's so interesting because the founding fathers hated each other um, a good deal. But they had so much faith because at the end of the day, they all did have the same goal, which was to make a good country. And they assumed that forever that would be the case, no matter how much people hated each other. And if they really hated each other that much, they'd go duel and handle it that way. Yeah. That's turned out to not be the case. God, we should bring back duels. So if there was no election, he is constitutionally still not president anymore, no matter what Congress decides to do about it, unless their decision was as a Congress to reelect him, which they could do. They can pick the president. But that's unlikely because they have to agree. And with a majority Democrat House and the Senate majority being Republican, but only by a small margin and with people like Mitt Romney in there, he's not going to be the choice if it comes down to Congress. I can almost guarantee that. But again, the question becomes, does the lame duck period apply here or not? The only way to repeal the 20th Amendment, which I think would be Trump's ultimate goal here. Man, I'm getting political. Um, is to create a new amendment, which the president quite literally has no legal say in. The president does not get to issue an executive order. He doesn't get to vote anything. This is 100% a legislative branch issue that is Congress. This is a long and arduous process, which would undoubtedly take more time than what we have, not just to election day, but past January 20th. I mean, think how long it has taken for them to create a COVID bill. And that is just a bill, not a constitutional amendment. Oh, no, amendment. This, is, this is to create a second COVID bill because the first one expired. Yeah, they could have just re-upped that and they didn't. Um, so this amendment would be written, revised, rewritten, revised, rewritten for months on end. And then when they get to the final product, they need a two-thirds majority in both the House and the Senate for it to pass. Not an overall two-thirds. Each of the Houses of Congress has to have a two-thirds majority separate from one another. Otherwise, the amendment does not pass. Except if the state legislatures come in and create a constitutional convention, which has never happened when it comes to an amendment. A constitutional convention only occurs if two-thirds of state legislatures call for one. If I understand it correctly, this basically means that each individual state's Congress and House has to, uh, or Senate and House has to agree for the convention to happen, and then say, yes, we want this to happen, and then they write into the government and say, yes, we want this to happen. Uh, This means 32 out of 50 states would have to call for this. As of 2017, there were 15 consistently blue states, four states that lean blue, 13 consistently red states, three states that lean red, and 15 purple states. Assuming the blue states are the only ones that that uh, don't want a constitutional convention, then we would have a, we would have the majority we need. But if 
it that would be 35. We just need three other states or four other states to not agree to a constitutional convention and then it can't happen. And I don't think we will have 32 states all say we want this constitutional convention, especially if the goal is just to have the same dude stay in office pretty much indefinitely. Because I think one of the things that blue, red, or purple can agree on is we don't want a monarchy or a dictatorship. No. If you have a monarchy, at least an anarchy. Anarchy? How you say? (laughs) So... In summary, Trump does not have the power to change the election date. That is an act of Congress. If no one is elected, everything goes to hell because there is no plan. A two-thirds majority is required to add an amendment and uh, an amendment to change the 20th. And both in terms of number of Democrats and all that, that won't happen. We should be scared of the election for a lot of reasons. We should be scared of the upcoming lame duck period for a lot of reasons. But this, Trump trying to prevent the election from happening or postpone it, not just because his friends even said no, but for every reason, we shouldn't worry about that. Because it's nearly impossible for him to delay or cancel the election. For him to do that, he would need to basically become a military dictator. And by contract and law, the military cannot obey an unlawful order, even from the president. And anything that's basically undermined democracy would be considered an unlawful order. And we've already seen pretty much how uh, the generals feel about Trump to begin with. So (laughs) good luck with that, buddy. Uh, That is the 20th Amendment and everything that goes in. Basically, it's a clusterfuck. Oh my God. Oh my God. You said this was short. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm going to be editing for days. (laughs) This actually is about a page shorter than my usual ones. It just, it just, you forgot about the sheer rage and anger and you can't see her, but every sentence was punctuated with a fist bump. I would make an awesome politician. You would. I've got the, I've got the hand gestures down. You've got the hand gestures. I know when to speed up my speech. I know when to slow it down. I know when to make it loud, when to make it quiet. I know. That's why Reagan became president. He was an actor. He Ooh. knew how to do these things. You ready for your questions? I'm ready for questions. Will the fact that the 20th Amendment means that no matter what, people are out of office on their required dates be on the test? Yes. Will the idea of a lame duck period be on the test? Absolutely, because it's a fun word, or fun phrase. Will the fact that the 20th Amendment gives Congress the power to just choose an acting president be on the test? No, because that's way too confusing. That's like constitutional law graduate school confusing. And will the fact that there's no plan in place at all if there is no president elected be on the test? I would like to see that on the test simply because I enjoy seeing children cry. Mm-hmm. Now, and by, and I just want to clarify something because it might have been confusing. By no president elected, I don't mean a non-majority. I mean the election didn't happen, pretty much. Like, there's, the non-majority thing also factors in, but basically if there was no election, there is no plan, and they did not plan for that contingency. So I just want to make that clear. The electoral college thing, there is kind of a plan for if they go back to things that predated the 20th Amendment, which they're not supposed to, because that amendment was supposed to get rid of those. (laughs) But if there is no election, there is no plan. That is nuts. And that's that's my story. Oh, you need to take a you need to take a bathroom break or anything? Whew. Let me breathe. And we're going to talk about mine, which, um, in light of yours, it's a little bit less fun. <laughs> it's uh, part two of your last week. It's right? part two of last week when I was talking about the freedom rides, and we're going to finish this off now. Where we left off after two buses had been attacked and with people trying to contest the unlawful 
segregation in, in interstate bus lines, which had been decided by the Supreme Court that this isn't lawful, but yet it still continued in many southern states. After they had been trying to contest this and had been brutally attacked and called off their part of the ride, another group stepped up to go forward. Yes, this was the students, right? The stu- These are students. And it was a group of students from Nashville, led by Diane Nash. Also, at this point, um, John Lewis actually hadn't been. He'd, been. he'd started off the Freedom Rides. Then, because it was Mother's Day, he had gone off to visit his family and he was going to rejoin them. Oh, that's so nice! So then, after this happens, he joins up with these students in Nashville to complete the Freedom Ride. So they he gets from, right back on. They were from Nashville and they were led by somebody named Nash? Diane Nash. Not named after her, though, I'm sure. No. Nashville? No, I don't think it was. I doubt it was. That'd be cool, I would though. be super surprised. Before this, it was Kentucky'sburg, but after Diane Nash, they renamed it Nashville, which is weird because it's in Tennessee. So, back on topic. So, um, these were veterans of nonviolent protests. They would not back down. They had dealt with desegregation in Nashville uh, lunch counters and restaurants before in the previous year. So, they had a lot of experience with dealing with, you know, belligerent people yelling at them and violence against them. So, they were well practiced at this. They saw CORE, which was the group who started the Freedom Rides, the Congress of Racial Equality, as kind of naive and a little bit weak-willed. And, of course, uh, they saw that allowing a nonviolent protest to be stopped by mass violence as incredibly damaging to the cause. And they thought if this, if they did not complete this ride, the civil rights movement would be over. A like nonviolent movement could not survive this if they had stopped. So they were determined to complete this. Ten volunteers were chosen, and they were split into two groups of five. The first group, if for any reason they were unable to finish the ride, the second group would finish it, no matter what had happened to the first. So were they, like, following each other, or was the plan for them to just, like, go to where they'd been stopped? Yeah, it was basically one group One group was going, then the next group would be right after them. Okay. It's two waves. This also meant, for some of them, that they actually had to drop out of their senior year of college, because this was while finals were happening. Oh, wow. They dropped out of school to complete this. Look, this is one of those really interesting times where it's, I mean, it's it's like Les Mis, it's time for us now to decide who we are. Yep. And they were students, too. They were students, too. So, the FBI learned about them wanting to complete the Freedom Ride. Now, even though the FBI had been powerless to stop the violence against them, they really wanted the writers to stop because it was making everybody look bad. And they actually called them, and uh, RFK ordered somebody to t- call them and try and stop them. JFK actually wanted them arrested. In the, here in school, we were led to believe that they were all besties and all on board. Oh, no. RFK had one of a person from his administration call and talk to them, begging them to stop. They were not convinced. Then he eventually broke down and said, look, you're going to get killed. This, You're going to die if you complete this. And Diane Nash said, we have all signed our last will and testaments. We do not let, non, we do not let violence overcome nonviolence. All right. These college students were fully prepared to die in this situation. Then we go to May 17th. The first group arrives by bus at the city limits of of Birmingham, where the last group of riders had left off, where the bus is pulled over by the police. The other passengers were taken off the bus and the uh, Freedom Riders left on, and they covered the bus windows with cardboard and newspaper so no one could see in or out of the bus. Uh Uh-huh. And yes, this was as terrifying as it sounds. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling claustrophobic just thinking about it. The bus does eventually arrive at the station, and but when they tried to exit and you and like test the facilities and test segregation, uh, the police took them into protective custody. At this point, JFK was getting more directly involved and panicking. Uh, he was actually trying to contact the governor of Alabama, 
who was also one of JFK's first supporters in his run for president, the governor told his staff to say, tell JFK that he wasn't in his office and he had gone fishing. <laughs> Even though he was there, he did not want to get involved with what he thought of as northern agitators coming in to disrupt the southern way of life. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, that night, the writers who had all been taken to jail were uh, taken out of the jail cells, not told anything, loaded up into police cars, and taken for a drive out into the country. And they were driven to the Tennessee border and just thrown out. They did not know where they were. They were told, you know, you can take a bu- take a bus, go home. This like, is the most terrifying yeah, thing. Yeah, horrifying. And of course, this was the Birmingham police who were in contact with the KKK. There is a very good chance that they had said, hey, we're taking the Tennessee border. Do with them what you will. We're getting out. It's in the middle of nowhere. No one will know anything. Mm-hmm. It was horrifying. But luckily, they were uh, they, they walked up to a farmhouse and talked to a guy who initially didn't want to let them in. But then they knocked on the door louder and talk, spoke loud enough that his wife overheard them. And she took sympathy on them and took them in for the night. So that the next morning, they were able to uh, get someone to pick them up and drive them to Birmingham. <laughs> These guys are badasses. Yeah. The, uh, where the second wave had already arrived. Uh, there was also an angry mob of hundreds. Of course. Yeah. Jimmy Hoffa, the leader of the Teamsters Union, was actually involved at this point. He told the Freedom Riders that nobody would drive them. None of the bus drivers were going to drive them on this bus route. So they were stuck in the bus station where they had to wait overnight, but they did wait in the whites-only lobby. <laughs> Now, obviously, while they were waiting, the crowd did not disperse, and robed clan members actually started arriving and harassing them. Uh-huh. Uh, JFK finally got through the governor and threatened federal intervention to protect the Freedom Riders. He would send in the U.S. Marshals and the Army if he had to. JFK just wanted it over because this was threatening his international agenda. This is making him look bad in front of the world. And see, I think this is where the story started for us in school, which was JFK sent people in to help. But fortunately, the uh, Alabama chief safety officer who was in charge of the police said that he could manage their protection with state and municipal police. So on May 20th, the state highway patrol, with air support, escorted them from the, to the buses and from the buses from Birmingham to the city limits of Montgomery, where the plan was the highway patrol would leave them and the municipal police from Montgomery would take it up. The municipal police did not. They had no escort in Montgomery. So the state protection had left and they were on their own again. Now, and are their bus drivers white? Do you know? Uh, the, I believe so. I didn't. The pictures I saw all had white bus drivers, but I don't know if those were pictures from this actual event. Okay. So. Um, they arrived at the station where it was eerily quiet. Oh, that's almost worse. Uh, there were some members of the press there. And when they started trying to talk to the Freedom Riders, a mob arrived. Uh, they beat and drove off the press. And then they attacked the bus. One of the riders recalled one of the more horrifying things she saw was mothers with babes in their arms shouting for the people to kill them. The last thing John Lewis remembers from this was being hit in the head with a wooden crate. Awesome. Uh, The police simply stood by. Uh Uh-huh. A federal observer who worked for Kennedy uh, tried to get the riders into a car and get them out before they could be beaten to death. He was also attacked by this mob and actually had to take refuge underneath a car to avoid being beaten to death. Jesus. So we had one guy there who was trying to do his job. Two guys there. Because the Alabama public safety officer basically tears into the scene in his car, 
jumps out, fires his gun in the air, and threatens and says he will kill the next person to hit that man, waving a gun around. And I think he meant it. It's like, there will be no deaths today. Except he was threatening to kill someone, so. It's like, <laughs> it's like that episode of Doctor Who. Just once, just once today, nobody is going to die. The Kennedys felt betrayed by this. And they sent 400 federal police to Montgomery. But we'll get into those police in a minute because something's going to happen. Also, Martin Luther King decides to get more personally involved with it at this point. Because he didn't like this. We didn't like this. Oh, no. He was not on board with this. But it's becoming national news. So he and several other civil rights leaders basically hop on planes and fly to Montgomery where they have a mass meeting at the First Baptist Church with a where about there are about 1,500 people in attendance. So, pretty big crowd. They just completely packed this church. Another thing. The Alabama governor had issued warrants for the arrests of the Freedom Riders. They were there, but they were hiding in the crowd in case, you know, they came to arrest them. There was also an angry mob of about 2,000 people outside who uh, were throwing rocks and started a fire and were breaking windows. While this was happening, they were, like, you know, had some speeches, sang, sang some songs in the church, and Robert F. Kennedy was on the phone with Martin Luther King, and JFK was on the phone with the governor of Alabama, trying to figure out what was going on, because this had all of the potential to turn into a massacre. Mm-hmm. Then the 400 federal police arrived to disperse the crowds and protect the, you know, the people in the meeting in the church. They showed up in mail trucks, and they weren't actually police. Some of them were postal workers, inspectors, and custom agents with very little training or like equipment to control a crowd. Why? It was it was an ad hoc force put together at the last second of just people who were there. There was also doubts about whether these would they would actually do anything to protect the people in the church or any of the protesters or black people in general because they were just drawn from federal workers in the city of Montgomery who one person said were just as likely to be in the mob as against it. Uh-huh. But they did try to disperse the crowds using tear gas, but because they were inexperienced and untrained, the wind blew the tear gas back oh. onto them and they were very ineffective. They were close to being overrun when the governor finally agreed to declare martial law and the National Guard was sent in to protect them. Uh-huh. Uh, the mob was held back by the National Guard, but the people in the church were also not allowed to leave. Is that a you can't leave for your safety or you can't leave? A little column A, a little column B. At 4.30 in the morning, they were finally allowed to leave. Or they went on, after that, to have a meeting with all of the various civil rights leaders of the time. Fractures quickly appeared between the youth and the older members. Shocking. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Martin Luther King continued to not want to be involved with this. Uh Uh-huh. He claimed it was because he was on probation, even though most of the Freedom Riders and the people involved in this point were already on probation. Yeah, yeah, everybody's everybody's been arrested and beaten at this point. Like, look at our previous episodes about, like, Clara Looper got beaten pretty regularly, and she was like, "Mm mm-mm. Still going. A lot of the younger members accused Martin Luther King of having a feet of clay, and they started derisively calling him the Lord. (laughs) There were some deep divides that developed that were never completely undone, that that had started before but became more obvious at this time. 
The next day, the writers left for Jackson, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Approximately 120 people were guarding them until they got to the Mississippi border. Now, are the writers still separated by fives at this point, or are they just together? It's kind of hard to tell based yeah. on this, because they ended up in the same place at the same yeah. time, which was not the plan. So, I think they were still in separate groups, but yeah, in separate buses going, just in case something happened to one group, another group will be going on. But they made it to the Mississippi border, but then again, they lost their escort, because they they're was a state of martial law in Alabama, but not in Mississippi. And the police there didn't have any authority in Mississippi. So they were on their own again. But the governor of Mississippi had been very outspoken that about against violence. He said that there will be no violence in Mississippi. That was not what I expected. They were just going to arrest them instead. That's a little more what I expected, but I mean... The uh, writers were all in the state penitentiary by the end of the day for breaking Mississippi state laws about segregation, even though federal laws had negated these over a decade ago. Well, it's kind of like when I did the birth control episode, there were the federal laws, but they were, st- but the states still got to make their own decisions within that. And yep. that's such a big question is where does federal law end and state law begin? And they always seem to just cede it to the states at the end. Yeah. Robert F. Kennedy also kind of agreed to this, even susp- he was okay with suspending some of their rights just to end the violence and get this over with because it was making them look bad. <laughs> so he was like, oh yeah, you can just throw them in jail. It's like, we know they're not really breaking laws, but throw them in jail. And they threw them into the most horrifying, like violent, rough jail where they actually had work gangs out in the hot sun in Mississippi as an, in- as an attempt to intimidate the Freedom Riders and prevent any other future people from doing so. It did not intimidate them. No, these guys came in there like, all right, we signed our last will and testament. Let's yeah. do this. The Freedom Riders vowed to overflow the prisons. Overflow or overthrow? Overflow. Just keep sending in more Freedom Riders until there was no room <laughs> left in jail for them. The original same Freedom Riders were actually even singing a song to taunt their jailers. <laughs> called the, uh, They're singing, the buses are a coven. Guys, I love them. When the guards uh, ordered them to stop, they said, What are you gonna do? Throw us in jail? (laughs) Kind of like with mine. What are you gonna do? Fire me? Yeah. Then they threatened to take away their mattresses. So they just added a, uh, They're gonna take our mattresses verse to the song. (laughs) And they did the same with the toothbrushes, which made them stop and think for a second because there was 10 of them in a cell designed for two people. And they decided, Yeah. We're fine with this. So they added, uh, they're going to take our toothbrushes to the song too. They just uh, sang it with their mouths closed because of the breath. So the Freedom Riders uh, continued. They were black people, white people, Christians, Jews from all over the country joined in on these Freedom Rides and were coming in. RFK and the Justice Department could not force these buses to end segregation. Only the only interstate commerce could. And But they were also talking to civil rights leaders to try and stop this so there'd be a cooling off period so that they could like go through and do this calmly and not like, you know, throw their weight around and just like, you know, talk to people and cut some deals. Well, you know, now white people are involved, so they have to they have to do this calmly. Yeah. They did not agree to a cooling off period. No. Which, you know, obviously it's like, no, that's like, we're not going to stop because if we if we stop, you're not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. So by the end, about 430 freedom riders had been arrested, and the interstate commerce finally issued a desegregation order on September 22nd of 1961. This was a big nationwide 
non ambiguous victory for nonviolent protest and for the civil rights movement. First of all, it actually had federal support and the support of the president, which was kind of new and big. It turned segregation from a local issue into a national one. And it also opened dialogue about civil rights between Martin Luther King and JFK. This was a big victory for the nonviolence, which John Lewis was a, a champion of his entire career and... Until the end. Until the end. And even even then, if um, he wrote, before his death, he wrote a piece for the New York Times to publish at, on the day of his funeral. I would read it if I were you. I might have teared up a little bit. I'm tearing up a bit thinking about it. And of course, his eulogy delivered by Barack Obama was just wonderful. And again, listen to that. It was good. He's not lying when he says he's tearing up. I haven't read or seen either of these things. And I, I need to. Yeah. So are you ready for some questions? Yeah. Okay. Uh, will the fact that postal workers were issued tear gas to break up a riot be on the test? Not until at least high school. Will the fact that RFK was was fine with suspending uh, people's rights to get these this over with be on the test? God, no. And will the fact that uh, the entire duration of the Freedom Ride was about the same amount of time that we've been on lockdown and they were able to institute this huge national change be on the test? I didn't realize it was going on that long. Yeah, this was from May until September. Wow. So, like, I was imagining this in maybe like a six week period. Nope. So, what did you learn this week? Wow. Um, I learned that RFK was a dick. Yeah, they were. The Kennedys didn't want their administration, because they were really working closely together, didn't want it to be about civil rights. They wanted it to be about the Soviet Union and international issues. And they were so mad that this was derailing that for them. Okay, actually, it was interesting. I was saying the other day, I'm like, you know, everybody's mad about Trump having his family all in the White House, but this can't be the first time that's happened. No, the Kennedys did it. Yeah. The Kennedys, like the, so like the Republicans have Reagan, who they put up on their pedestal, and the Democrats have Kennedy, who they put up on their pedestal. I will say there's a difference between Ivanka and RFK, the attorney general who was an actually a lawyer and would have been qualified by no strict imagination. Yeah. It's like he was qualified. And that's what I was saying too is like, you know, it doesn't really bother me that there are family members in the White House. It bothers me that there are unqualified family members in the White yeah, House. Like, you know, if Ivanka had been like diplomat for years and was coming into this and had like studied international relations and was like a career politician, yeah, bring her in. That's great. But she's a handbag designer. I wish I was a handbag designer. I'd make a lot of money. Yeah. But I can't really draw. Ooh. Maybe we could like draw some handbags and we'll try and make them exactly. It'd be like really abstract. <laughs> That'll be our first merch is poorly made handbags. It's like, so buy, go to our website and buy our poorly made handbags. It's like, this is just a plastic bag where you crossed off Walmart and wrote down, will this be on the test? It's $50. All right, what is something you learned? God, I learned that just, uh, that if, well, first of all, the president can't cancel the election date. Oh, no, like, yeah, he can't. The Congress can. It can be changed. It it can be changed, but not by him. It really can't be canceled, but. Yeah, it's like, and if it were, It's just be much like everything else. It's like he asked for a thing that would actually just end up fucking him over more than if he just left everything alone. He's too, he's so stupid. Like it's, does he just shoot himself in the foot? Is that the only way he can feel? (laughs) Everything is just so messed up. And the thing is, it's a systemic problem. It's not a Trump problem. Like he's not the one who came in and decided they weren't going to make a plan for this contingency. How is he so good at shooting himself in the foot when he clearly can't see them? 
I'm mean. I was gonna say, like, I, I don't think either one of us has a whole lot of room to talk about. Oh, that's like, it's part, it's, it's part, it's partly a fat joke, and partly a fact that when he stands, he's, like, leaning forward. That's as though he's true. Le- he's, like, tr- he's like a mime charging into the wind. Yeah, and I, I'm not gonna get into the medical problems that tend to cause that, but. Yeah, let's, um, let's avoid, um, something that's definitely actionable. <laughs> Yeah, and I remember, if a president is considered mentally unfit for the job, Congress can decide that the vice president takes over as acting president, which is why it is so important to Trump to say that he passed that that test. He passed that mentally, mental capacity test. I've had to take the test after a head injury, and yeah, if I can do it after a head injury... <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I, I took that test. I, I, I went online and took that test. I just, I had to do it for realsies. Yeah, it's like that's that's not a hard test. The I, counting backwards by seven took me a minute, but they expect that to take you a minute. So yeah, it's like not everyone's like does math in their head for fun. He's doing math in his head for fun now. It's like I play Dungeons and Dragons. That's basically uh, sit, I sit around with some friends and do math. He played it for eleven hours yesterday. That was a mistake. I'm never doing that again. I'm too old for this shit. Like I sat downstairs and I was like, okay, he'll be done in like maybe four hours. We yeah, that's finish, what I thought we too. We finished cleaning the house. That's and- what I thought too, and it just kept going. And like we like everyone was trying to get out, but like no one was like firmly doing it, so it just kept going on, and it was just eleven hours. I'm gonna have to have you watch the episodes of Supernatural that you missed. Not all of them, but a couple of them, because like one of them is oh, it's now the end of th- this apocalypse is what's happening at this moment in reality. Oh, good. Well, I'm, you know what? 2020 has been bad enough. I welcome the apocalypse. It's like, oh, thank God it's over. I don't have to go through three more months of this. Oh, no. I, sat, I sat there watching Supernatural thinking the horsemen are here. The horsemen are here because it's famine. And we had record numbers of people going without food and going to food ban- banks. We have pestilence, which is disease. We have war, which is happening in cities like Portland right now. And obviously we have death. The horsemen are fucking here. Now we've just got to, what if, what if Kellyanne Conway is, is the whore of Babylon? I wouldn't give her something that important on her resume. Well, or actually Betsy DeVos might be a better one because she, uh, the whore of Babylon is somebody who convinces the world to enter sin by telling them things that they believe that uh, sound true. Telling them things that the higher powers have told them is true. And so she's telling everybody it's safe for kids to go back to school. Send them to school. Well, she's literally sending people in to murder children. Yeah. Betsy DeVos is the whore of Babylon. No, no. She's just an idiot. <laughs> See, God, that's, I, what, that's what she wants you to think. Uh, Betsy DeVos. I, I can't wait until she is just an irrelevant piece of history that some future version of a podcast will talk about for five minutes and say like, oh my God, can you believe this idiot? She is the devil. I I won't even give that to Trump. Betsy DeVos is the devil. Yeah. Or the whore of Babylon. Yeah. So the world's going to hell, but we'll be here every week until it ends. Where can people find us? Well, they can find us at Twitter at OnTheTestPod, on our Instagram at OnTheTestPod, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OnTheTestPod, and, of course, we have our website, onthetestpod.com. Don't type a. A.com. <laughs> and we produce a new episode every Tuesday, whatever podcast you are current, podcast you, app you are currently listening on. Clearly, we are on there. Yep. 
but you can tell your friends that we are on pretty much any podcast app they might listen to. However, if they are an Apple iTunes podcast user, we would really love some rates, reviews, subscribes. We'd love the rates and reviews, subscribes from anywhere, but Apple seems to be the most consistent place to have all of this. So give us that stuff on there. It's very, very helpful to us. And it makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside to see these little like five stars and nice things people have to say. And if you have something mean to say, step back think is this necessary the answer is no yep just i mean you've made it this far why are you still listening if you hate us anyway so yeah just stop collaborate and listen because so don't collaborate because that means that they're gonna get other people to say bad things about us oh yeah okay maybe don't collaborate vanilla ice is giving you bad advice about this stop in the name of love before you break my heart think it over oh whoa 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 (laughs) and on that note class class dismissed. dismissed